everybody and thanks for tuning in to episode 114 of the Run of the Hills podcast. They, oh, I keep saying this, another busy show, Eddie, but they, they're always busy. <laughs> it's life, it's trying to slot in all this, oh, all, these, all these things. It's, fun. it's a juggle the day, isn't it? Yeah, I'm busy this morning, then I'm off to the vet and you've got your jobs to do today. But yeah, Eddie and I have a catch up and then we have a chat with Isaac Kenya. Now, Isaac is a world record breaking British eco adventure. That doesn't do him justice. If you head over to his website, he saw much more this than that. This is a shame. <laughs> And Trish joins us again too. And I'm loving these catch-ups with Trish and Russell. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Cheer Charge for continuing to support the show. Cheer Charge give 1% back to the planet and you can recycle their packaging too. Go to their website and click the sustainability tab for more info on how to recycle your old Cheer Charge packaging. I made it. I need a drink now. I know I started talking halfway through and I was like, oh, no, he always tells me off for that. He's going to tell me all. <laughs> It was okay. It was sort of in the flow, wasn't it? It was in the flow, so yeah. I didn't disrupt you too much. You're looking quite James Bond-like today with that black. You sort of laid <laughs> down your cheekbones and your black top, Ooh, Gary. It's in my cheekbones. That's, that's a compliment. Yeah, you're quite suave and sophisticated. <laughs> I need Me a box of chocolates. My... <laughs> oh, I love chocolates. <laughs> Me with my old green... Whatever this is, um, I've got my I've got my run to the hills buff because I've just walked the dogs and it's freezing. That's why these is that's why it's zipped up I'm in the milk tray. Look, it's uh, a bit chilly in the northeast. How are you doing? Good. I'm a bit tired, as I just said. I do hate these podcasts that we have to sit and look at each other. Don't mind looking at you, James, but uh, looking at myself for an hour, my eye, you know that you get that dehydrated eye puffiness. Oh, yes. Uh, I've got it going on. I got it going on big, but all good. Yeah, had a big second week of half term and some, I don't know why I'm doing it to myself, Gary, some big old days on the hills. And they are taking their toll on the body. Um, I've had, I did a big long run. Just done, my watch died. Is there anything worse? Oh, Is my there goodness. anything worse? Quite or frustrating, not, isn't it? It's so frustrating because I don't really care. Like I can work out how far I went. It was more that I like, well, how I wanted to do five hours. And I was like, I can't, I don't know how long I've done. What's more frustrating though? Your watch dying or you stopping it by mistake? Equally, anything Equally. to do watch related admin drives me mad. And so then I had a massive strop at the top of the hill. Uh, and I was like, I'm just going home then. Doesn't matter. I don't care how long it is. That's it. I'm done. I went home. And then I spent hours trying to work out like where I'd gone and how long I'd been. And Brim was like, You're going to like get on with the day? You're going to do anything? You're just going to sit. And I was like, Yeah, come on. Uh, but that was good. But it was a bit, I went up high around the sort of ski fields. And Brim was like, I said, This is the route I'm going to do. And he's like, Is that not going to be really rocky? Because you're crossing all the really high piece. So I was okay. like, fine, but just be. And then as I climbed up in, into this onto these pieces, I was like, oh, this is awful. <laughs> because it's just like man-made boulders yeah. on a on a black piece going downhill. There's nothing. It was like, don't break an ankle. Oh my yeah. God. It's not like like natural rockiness tends to, especially around here, there's been enough people that people have sort of found a path and sort okay. of made you can almost see like man-made like foot there, foot there. This is just a bit of a disaster. Oh. Anyway, so it took me a bit longer to traverse across that. And the same kind of pace that you want to be moving either is it no i was like come on this is taking forever 
Um, but it was good. It was it was a good long run. And then I've also done my I did six by ten minute uphill moderate. So hmm. built that up a bit. Uh during it felt good, felt strong. Um only passed one guy with a crossbow and his two hunting dogs. So my heart rate spiked a little bit there. I was like, I'm not, I'm not a deer, I'm not a deer, I'm a human, do not shoot me. Uh I felt really good. And then after I'd done that, then I I even though I'm like I've still got 10 beats when I do that session extra work I, I always think like so it's moderate so I could could go 10 beats higher which would be yeah. a hard but I'm always wiped out after that and then when you finish but this is what is exactly what I need to do is then when you finish you've still got like 40 minutes of running at the end to cool down and that I find almost the hardest bit because I'm like <laughs> oh, and you can't I'm like running downhill on wobbly legs that was good and then I've done two big hikes first one on the day after that and I was like why am I feeling tired I'd sort of forgotten I did that and then the next day I was like feels like hard work um and within that hike I started to put a little bit of jogging in with the backpack cool. it felt yeah I was like can't I can't even get uphill I'm just walking every single like slight up cut uphill I was able to jog a bit more downhill and a bit more on the flat um but I did have a little bit of a like I can't do this I had to be put I can't do this no were you monitoring no. your effort though with your heart rate when you were yeah I've got my jogging. heart rate so if it goes out of that like endurance zone I immediately start walking yeah because then that's not realistic is it um and I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. Nobody can do this. This is really, oh, God, I'm <laughs> um, and I met, uh, I met the family. They went for a little walk and I met them sort of up the mountain to get some water. And I was so grumpy and I felt really bad. But you know, only just like in the midst of it, and tired. And I still had like three hours to go. And I was like, oh. Um, the only thing that makes me grumpy is if I'm hungry, then I'm grumpy really oh many things make me grumpy Gary. <laughs> um so i came home and had a bit of a paddy and um and then bryn said um and i spoke to a message jason going you know i don't how what sort of like what is this pace that i should be doing because um i want to be running i want to be moving but i can't yeah yeah um so how do you do this like what and I and now I'm starting to move into like okay move into a little bit more spine effort we're calling it than um than like sort of either just jollying hiking around or just running and so he said ask Bryn about tabbing so yeah. I was like oh I don't need to ask Bryn he talks about that sort of stuff all the time <laughs> so we um yesterday we were lucky Bryn's mum and dad were staying for a couple of days and so we I Bless Bryn. This is the ultimate love run. We got up at six o'clock in the morning. It was absolutely hooning it down. Horrible, dark, cold. And we drove to this uh, route to a, to another mountain where you can run round it. So it's like a undulating path. Cool. And he yeah. said, and he packed a pack, so he had a bit more weight than me. And we practiced going around that. And we he gave me some tips, and he was very patient. He only looked back once when I couldn't keep up. Uh, the fast walking, I was like, you can't. I said, I can't walk as fast as you because you got a bigger stride than me. Um, and normally we'd have a divorce over that sort of thing. But he was like, okay, right, okay, yeah, yeah. He's so patient. And it was so much better. And he helped me on like just the stride and the when to walk, when to run, and just re 
uh, reinforced, like, you're really good at this. You're fine. What are you, what are you like, having your patty about? <laughs> um, and so we did that for, like, two hours, and then he drove off and left me. I had another <laughs> three hours to do See my myself. <laughs> He's like, I'm going home for breakfast now. I'm done. I was like, oh, no. Oh, wow, wow, wow. That's horrible when someone leaves you and they drive past and the car's all steamy and the dogs and took the dogs. And I was like, oh, you've got to go. So uh, I took the long way over the mountain back home, but it was so much better. And by the end of it, I wasn't dying. So I did, I did four hours yesterday, but I did, but I was running and I was forgetting that I had the pack on and I was running. Cool. I was like, oh, run up that. Yeah. I run up the hill with the pack. Um, so that's a massive, that was, so obviously it's not fitness related at all. It's just a bit of confidence and a yeah. bit of just getting used to it over the couple of days. So I was happy with that. 19 miles, less climbing as well. And I think that's probably quite good than my normal big climbing because that does take it out of me. And then today I set my alarm to get up at six to do my recovery run. And I was <laughs> like, no, I'm finding these long sessions really tiring, like just a recovery from them. And then the next day, like, I'm not like tired, like you normally are from like um, a hard session. It's more like my back's a bit sore. My knees are a bit creaky. So I'm being really listening, going "Mm." Monday, I didn't run. I just biked in between these long efforts. And today I'm like, should I run again? Should I just bike again? So thank God for Swift and the bike of keeping that I can still just... massive effort, Teddy. I know, like you're saying, they're not you're not redlining it, like say five times. I know a that's the thing. So you think, oh, I shouldn't. Why am I so tired? But it's the volume and the the poor weight of on Eddie's. It's, it's a lot. Anyway, it's all good. I'm feeling quite good. I'm just oh, holding. Okay. You know that, that when when Bryn drove off. You can kind of um, replicate that. That's what's going to be like leaving a lovely warm checkpoint. And it's all there. (laughs) I did think that because Bryn's going to come out, like fly out maybe like with two days to go, like depending on where I am and pop up hopefully with like in the last like 24 hours as a bit of morale. And I thought, oh, imagine if he does pop up, how amazing that's going to be. And then when he goes, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're doing great things. And I love the fact that we'll talk a little bit about my weekend that felt the pieces really. Um, but how you're doing your big stuff during the week. And um, I like just how you're managing it all. It's great. Good to see. Just about juggling the balls in the air. There is some very dirty bathrooms and some laundry to be folded <laughs> and emails to be replied to. But uh, uh, it's only, I keep thinking it's only like two months and then it'll all be, it'll be done. And then... Life will just move on, won't it? Oh, but gotta, my goodness, I know. you've got to go all in for these sort of things, haven't you? You've got to go all in, and then I'll get payback in February, March, April, and Bryn can do something, or we'll just have coffees and I'll get fat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, tell 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 me about your last few days. Oh wow! So the cross country was Saturday. That was a big thing, and we were up the Lambton Estate, which is absolutely really lovely. And when I was a child, Lambton Estate was a wild, really reminded me of this. Um, it was a wildlife park, so you could go and see rhinoceros and stuff like that there. Now they're um, building lots of fancy houses there. But Sedgefield had their cross country. It was quite a long one. It was. <clears throat> Six and a half miles for us across country. That is, they range between 5.8 and this, I think, might be the longest one. And it had about six, seven hundred feet of elevation. So, again, for across country, 
that is uh quite spicy for where we live and i i had a really good run um I think my body must be sandbagging me because I get on the start line feeling rubbish. Like just like not feeling up for it, thinking I'm chesty. Then start running. It's like, oh, okay, this 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 feels okay. And um before the race, it was quite good. Justin had looked at the individual Grand Prix and I'd paid no attention to this. And he informed me that there was only one point between myself and Justin. So I'm thinking, right, race, race is on now. <laughs> and um, I, as we went off, we were so busy, I couldn't see him. And then as it thinned out, I just caught a glimpse of him about, say, 50 metres ahead. And I just thought, because of the Druid Bay situation, where, again, I was in traffic, so I couldn't basically run too fast initially. I just had to go with the floor. I thought, I'm just going to do that again. I'm going to just keep Justin in my sight. And I did that for two laps and then I made my move and um, I held on. I held on to the end. And what was awesome, because I don't want to sound like um, smug, I was working hard, but not making a move early on. I really could feel I had an extra 10 beats, five beats to go. So it was great. And I just slowly, and I know Justin, he must have like a distinctive heavy breathing noise, but he can, he said, I knew when you were there, you could hear me for like about five minutes huffing and puffing on his shoulder. And um, I just, I knew, I thought he's going to know I'm there. And I just felt a bit uncomfortable, like him pacing me. So I just thought, well, I've got to, now, now is the time. So did you go past, did you go past hard? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, again, I feel I'm quite weak going up the hills, but just the way it happened, I passed him going up a hill, so I couldn't really go past hard. But then you, any you, words exchanged? Any like little pat on the back? Just, uh, well done, Justin. That's about as much as we <laughs> as much as we do. But yeah, I always try and you know, see when you turn a corner or something, uh, and you go out of sight for a few seconds. I always like to try and. Not that I ever drop the hammer, but run faster then. So then when the person turns the corner, they think, oh, bloody hell, Gary's 50 metres ahead now. (laughs) (laughs) But it was awesome. So I, yeah, I held him off, which is good. And I was first Sedgefield Harrier home. Not the fastest because because of the handicap system. I was not the fastest. But normally, which is, this is why I had a really good run because always um, James Oldfield, I suppose, arguably our fastest runner. And David Bentley is another fast pack runner. And both of those guys would always catch me up some point on the last lap. And they never did. So I was super duper chuffed with that. And I've noticed my, because of everybody being promoted in different packs, my finishing is getting higher and higher and higher. So take it, Gary. Take it. <laughs> there's a chance I could get promoted again at Thornley if I have a good run and then I'll spend next season in the mid-pack, which will be quite hard work. Um, So, yeah, really awesome day, but wipe me out. And then this is what I'm saying, my weekend fell apart because I knew I was going to the cinema and I knew Sunday Lisa wanted to have a family day. We've got Newcastle, have a wander around, have some food. Um, And I just didn't schedule in my long run during the week. So, not a long run last week. And then I didn't do my 10,000 feet of elevation, even though I thought it was game on early in the week. Uh, just terrible planning. Simple as that. Terrible planning. But what is good, five years ago, that would have destroyed me mentally. I would not have been happy about that. I would have been a miserable parent to be around in Newcastle. I want to be off running. Um but now it's fine. I have to go with Bryn at the start, right? When so when the kids when the kids are at school, it, I you know my time's a bit more. The four days I get, my time is a little bit. I can sort of juggle everything. But when they're on half term and you have to be like, I have to be like. So yeah. 
you're going to do that there and then I'm going to do that there. And then you have to do it there. There's no like, if you don't do it, like this morning, I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm having an, and I had an extra two hours sleep. So I think that's pretty, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. But you, you have to like, okay, if I'm not going to do it, then you have to just get over it. You can't hold the, because you didn't do it in your thought. And it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And probably it's completely my fault. a little bit of extra rest, actually. You work pretty hard in that cross country. Yeah, I was surprised how tired I was actually. I, I I felt a bit sick when I crossed the line, which is not, I don't put that kind of effort in. <laughs> but, you know, so that was awesome. That was like, say, 40 odd minutes of hard running. And then the yeah. session for the week was the 10 minutes at um, kind of 10K pace and then five times a K and then 10 minutes to finish off. So two big, two big workouts. Um, mileage, not as high as it were. I'd have hoped for an elevation the same too but like i said last week you know this is like a decade of running if i miss i'd say now it's been a couple of weeks and not been kind of 10 out of 10 training but it's okay hey eight out of 10 is perfect that's where you want to be no one likes a high achiever (laughs) let's talk about high achievers race results yeah jed with three peaks i you know, my wife's done this with friends and she raved about it. And I just completely forget forget to end. I think COVID has really knocked a, few, a lot of people who were in the habit of maybe entering lots of races. And I'm one of those people who just forget to enter races now. But it sounds like it was an awesome day. And Rory Campbell took the win, five hours, 35 minutes. And I respect his um, age and won't share it with the community. But it's awesome to see people similar to my age rocking it <laughs> and smashing oh, it and winning it. Oh. <laughs> and Nicola Duncan took the win for the ladies too, five hours, 56. Now the Jeff of Three Peaks, it's a awesome race. And uh, I'll try and read, this is their words, it's not my words. So hopefully I don't mess it up. But yeah, a word from the management. It's a totally inclusive event and an LGBT friendly, non-binary friendly, QIA plus friendly friendly to everyone really you can enter their races as a female male non-binary and if you're transgender they're happy for you to run in the gender category that you identify with as scottish athletic and uk athletic rules proud signatories of the scottish lgbt sports charter and are fully committed to upholding all of its principles i just think you know read stuff like that and when you see i'm gonna be deep here but when you see our media at the moment we're, it seems to be the tactic to divide and separate everybody and blame other people for all our wars. And then you read stuff like this and it's just a breath of fresh air. I think um, I think it's awesome what they're doing there. And one of our we're listeners... And we're just at one. Trainers yeah. on, just at one. It was great to see probably a few of our listeners up there, but Dave Valiano reached out on our Facebook group and he literally ran to the hills on Saturday in the Jedbra Three Peaks. He starts at Jedbra and they donate to the local food bank and registration. Um, that is awesome. You collect your optional T-shirt. You can buy one, donate the money or pay nothing uh, and pick up your race number, your race briefing that involves instructions, uh, followed by the repetition phrase of don't be a dick, e.g. do what the marshals say, don't be a dick. <laughs> and then over to the start for the compulsory YMCA uh, warm-up. That just sounds awesome. I really <laughs> love the sound. <laughs> I really should do it. I had friends who did it. At least my wife's done it. Um, maybe maybe next year. I'll Put a note in your calendar. I don't think they did the YMCA 
PCA warm-up at the Snowdonia Marathon. Uh, (laughs) This is a road marathon, but with a ton of elevation as well. The weather was pretty horrendous, Um, hail, horizontal rain, and some big climbs. But people still managed to run really fast. Like the field is really, really fast. If you scroll down the results, like the top 100 are all coming in, like in three under 330. It's really is a really good fast race. Daniel Kashai of Sale Harriers managed to uh to win in two hours 39.51 seconds and Caroline Brock of Steel City Striders took her victory in three hours 13. So maybe if you're looking at a road marathon but you like hills as well, this could be something for you next year. I think it sells out really quickly. So you have to get in there. Sounds awesome. You know, all the scenery, but not the trip hazards. Great. All the scenery, not the mud. Yeah. This week, we catch up with Isaac Kenyon. Isaac is a world record-breaking British eco-adventurer, uh, and he seeks to make a positive difference to the planet in search of climate solutions and has founded Climate Explorers. Go and check out his website for more information. Isaac has done so much. He definitely didn't snooze his alarm this morning, I'm sure. Isaac has swum seas, climbed mountains, rode oceans, cycled tour countries, and even cycled over the sea. We talked to him all about his adventures, his um, his journey through uh, sustainability, and all how he trains and his mindset. He's a really interesting guy. Here's our chat with Isaac. much for coming on the show today Isaac I don't think Gary we've ever had such an overachiever um to chat to don't really know where to start it's a bit embarrassing puts your Bob Graham to shame a bit here Gary uh Isaac is a geoscientist passionate environmentalist a TED talker I watched the TED talk yesterday while I had my lunch holder of three world records you've rode the Atlantic you swam the channel you've climbed Kilimanjaro uh you now are the world uh the running record for between and climbing the Welsh Street Peaks. My goodness me, I hope you didn't do that all before breakfast. Where are you? What's the view from your window? And have you been for a run today? Oh, lovely. Um, yeah, I like the exercise question there. Um, hello, everyone. Um, I'm based right now in St. Albans, just in a little village outside it, in the, in the countryside, close, close to London. Um, and I am, I've got a view of fields, I guess, oh, uh, to, run, to run around in. Um, and I haven't had a run yet, but I have um, got that planned later on today. I've got a awesome. run planned actually uh, with a weighted vest. <laughs> oh, excellent! I quite like using the weighted vest, yeah, because it it's quite flat around Hertfordshire, so I'm trying to make it a bit harder than just like flat runs. I've got one, but I tend to use it more for like doing step ups and squats and stuff than actually running in it. I or hiking. You can hike in them too, can't you? Yeah, you can. What sort of weight are we looking at here, Isaac? Blow our mind. Like 15 kgs around that. Yeah. 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 I, I, I quite, I quite like it, um, especially when you go up some hill climbs. That's where it's real fun. <laughs> you don't really? want to go too heavy, though, do you? Sometimes it's a bit... No, you've got to get the right balance, haven't you, yeah. between the yeah. weight and then the... Do you find you're quite much more tired after doing a run with a weighted vest? Than... Yes. Yeah. And because I'm a cross-functional athlete, I focus on a lot of other sports, not just running. And it helps keep the upper body activated as well. Uh, I find the core is engaged really uh, quite quite strongly. Yeah, because if it's not, you're like... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
If it's not, you will just uh, fall over onto your onto your chin. <laughs> I'm probably familiar with a lot of your stomping grounds. I used to I studied in St Albans, and I lived in Harpington. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, there, there. You can find some hills. They're they're not the biggest, um, and you end up just repeatedly going up and down them to try and get like. Yeah. Some hill training in so well, yeah, that was 30 years ago that's just dared me quite a lot that is. how many years ago is that gary 30 about, years about ago. 30 years 29 30 years that was a long i wasn't born probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah could we talk a bit about you know eddie mentioned um geoscientists a bit about your day job your mm. journey as a you again you mentioned like a multi uh sport athlete your journey as a endurance athlete too i looked at your bio on your website so i think listeners uh poppy kettle on it's could go on quite a while this <laughs> <laughs> or, or we could keep it short um, <laughs> generic just go to the website guys and no! <laughs> um yeah yeah uh, uh geoscience i studied uh, geology at um, university of royal holloway university mm. in surrey um, and the ambition was to to kind of understand a bit more about the planet, the resources. I was very interested in that space, like how how we can we be a bit more sustainable with our energy usage, um, and and how we get resources for energy. So now I work in the energy industry, and specifically now focused on the energy transition, the big conundrum, the big talking point right now during this, yeah, yeah. like rises in uh, energy prices and all this stuff. It's uh, very relevant. Um, so I work in sort of data, data intelligence for, for the energy industry, still applying some of my geoscience background, but, um, I've actually learned quite a lot of, um, decarbonization, hydrogen, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I, I find it really interesting to sort of translate and bring that into sort of outdoors and nature, because again, resources, the earth planet is, 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 is quite a, a big thing for outdoor athletes, (laughs) I would say. Um, we use the the outdoors as our playground. We love getting out in nature, and I think so most of us would like to protect it. So that sort of balance of what can we do to to preserve and protect the the planet while still using it, and it's the same sort of relationship with how can we have energy and also preserve and protect the planet. So I do that as a day job, and then my hobbies are outdoor adventures and things like that. So it's very much the same sort of story, but uh, it just in different ways. And um, I love doing lots of different adventures uh, of such. I like traversing with human power. So something like, you know, running, cycling, swimming, rowing. Um, so I've done lots of different things like rowing across an ocean. That was quite good. It was all manpower, sustain- <laughs> sustainable uh, boat, if, if you call it that. Um, we took <laughs> all our rubbish with us. We, we had um, renewable energy powers on the boat. So that, that sort of thing is massive interest to me. And um, I'm interested in any listeners who've got ideas like this. <laughs> I love all, all of these discussions. I I love all that discussion. And it, and I feel very guilty. It's a bit of a load and everyone probably recognises. I feel guilty day to day that I'm like, what can I do more? What can I do more? You know, there's, I feel like um, I, can, I can recycle, I can do this. But it, I think also it's just like we are just becoming more and more aware, which is always the first step, isn't it? As And as you said, as athletes, the outside is where we want to be. And I was just on my a run today and I live up in the Alps and I live up at the end of a no-through road. And at the bottom of the road, they're building more and more chalets. It's a ski resort. And there's five brand new chalets of which nobody lives in. I've never seen anyone living in them they come people come for like a week a year and they're building two more and I'm like when does this end when does somebody go hang on a second 
we don't need this. One, there's not going to be snow now in 10 years time here. And you just carry on building. Like we need more people like you, Isaac. So I thought it was very fitting that I was talking to you later that are, um, that are shouting and educating us and are coming from an educated standpoint as well about, um, about this. And can, um, and so that we can, we can sort of educate ourselves. And I always think that's really good awareness and then education is to everything that's what I always say to the kids um you've done loads and loads of challenges as I talked about in the intro um and I listened to you on a few podcasts and you talked about how you trained for these challenges and about not just the physical training that you've done but the mental training that you've done as well can you sort of share with us perhaps any little nuggets of I'm about well I'm sort of just embarking on training for the spine in January which is a 268 mile race on the Pennine Way and lots of people are saying to me it's mainly about the head and not about the legs don't get carried away with the physical training would you agree with that for these massive challenges i i, I would i would agree with that um I, you know c- coming from a background where you know i haven't done long distance running and then going from you know just running a marathon to a this sort of distance uh 233 kilometers i only trained um you know, lots of people say, oh yeah, but you, you've just, you're just an athlete type guy. You know, you just rock up and just rock up and do these things. Right. I don't think it's like that. Um, I definitely don't have the build of a runner. I'm quite top heavy. Um, and it's, I think all in the head. Um, I did most of my training in the, in a mental capacity for about three, four months before, um, after deciding to do the challenge to doing the challenge. And I, I would agree with it with you. It is, um, a game of um, how do I create the mental tools to get past the difficult lows? Um, because, uh, you know, a low can be physical where you, your nutrition's out or something like that, or you've got an injury. I mean, if you've got an injury, that that really can be a game changer and that can end whatever you're doing. But if you don't have an injury and you have the nutrition with you, you kind of, it's kind of just a head game uh, after that because you have the fuel to keep going your body is not injured to keep going. So it's really just in the head. It's a horrible place to be when you're like, <laughs> I only can, I just want to stop. You're like, I'm not injured. I've got fuel. I should just eat this and carry on. Did you, what did you sort of training? Did you put yourself in some situations where you were in that situation to sort of help yourself uh, prepare for these sort of challenges? Yes. Yeah. I really like to simulate the challenge before I go. In, in a smaller context. So, um, you know, say it's a 233 kilometer run, I might run 30 kilometers on no sleep just so that I feel tired and understand what it's like to run in this film tiredness. Because say you're 140 kilometers into your run, you're going to start feeling very, very tired yeah, compared yeah. to, yeah. So I do, the, yeah, you know, I didn't necessarily do these massive runs, but what I was doing was just creating mind calluses, trying to put simulate different scenarios I did like maybe a whole day of just uphill climbing. Um, just how much climbing could I do in one day in a safe space? So the bottom of the hill was my car or like a way out, you know, so I could train my body to to go into these sort of big, sort of heavy quads, quadricep burning sensation <laughs> modes where your mind is like, stop putting fire on my quads. <laughs> and, and, and you can you can just simulate that. Yeah, uh, you can, you can the push, way. can't you? You can push if you if you've mm. got the safe switch there. Yeah, yeah, you can, and I think that's quite good um, training for just simulating what, what what you could be up against. So I quite like doing that. And um, there were some things that 
you know, from these endurance challenges that I tend to get from each endurance challenge, tools that are I've been exposed to from doing the endurance challenge, which I couldn't simulate of such without doing it. Yeah. Um, and there was there was one where I I um, created some sort of like split personality, positive self-talk person who was like on the left side of me, sort of thing, or behind me. And it was a weird thing to to to, to kind of describe, but it was it's not like borderline personality disorder. If anyone thinks I'm having a, a break breakdown <laughs> here, but when I do the challenges, I I have some maybe someone I talk to like that inner self-talk and I found that I could only really tap into that during the challenges I was doing rarely can I just sit at home and just come up with yeah. some character <laughs> it seemed so art artificial it didn't feel right and it didn't feel like it had the practical purpose at the time so doing a big challenge from before like rowing the ocean there was that there was a mind uh, split that I I kind of worked out, and I was able I've been able to apply that to other things too. Um, so there are some stuff that you get just from I guess doing, and um, and then there's some stuff that you can prepare through just theory. Uh, so I'm a trustee for the mental health charity called Mind, and I've had I had a huge interest in uh, mental health, and have been you know, going through all the resources that they use for people who have mental health conditions or issues and actually a lot of it can be applied to everyone in the day-to-day -day. so mind specifically it works on the preventatives of mental health so they they rather be um talking to someone who might have a bit of stress or you know their their mental health is deteriorating but it's not bad critical crisis level so they would like to talk to you if you feel like you're having a stressful day at work or you've had a stressful week they will give you these tools and I find a lot of those tools have been quite useful on a theoretical sense to to apply in, in my endurance challenges, stuff like ecotherapy. Maybe some people have heard of that, where just immersing yourself in nature, but in a mindful sense. So whilst you're on a hard run and your legs are saying stop, you just kind of slow down and then start listening to birds or trying to identify trees or maybe even just stop for a sec don't don't run anymore and just yeah. taking the surroundings and it completely detracts the mind the pain and then suddenly you start honing into different senses rather than the pain senses that are creating the negative effect and then you can go a little bit further than you thought because you're like oh i really enjoy this environment i want to see what else i can see and how else can i um, pick up some different senses so yeah those are the sort of things that um I, i've picked up um during these challenges I love that. Um, I don't think I would be that mindful in the race to stop and enjoy and appreciate the, the environment. But if I could be that present, I also love the, the, the mind split. Uh, we talked about um, Lakeland 100 and I had a lot of negative self-talk. But again, yeah, just five, 10 minutes of chat here. And I think, wow, yeah, I need to have a positive element on, on my left shoulder to kind of combat the the, the negative on my right that's a, that's an awesome tip that is yeah i think um one of the things that i tend to do is not races of such so a lot of the endurance challenges and things yeah. have been quite personal um challenges where i'm not really pushing for set time of such i know many of the listeners here like maybe go on trail running races or stuff like that I do find not going for a time uh, helps me enjoy the the, the, the experience. And um, when you do have that clock, it takes it does take away the mindfulness element because you're like you just 
you break up oh there's that the, there's the time i'm on oh the pace is not quite right you yeah, might push yeah. a bit harder um but i i found actually um my times have increased um as in got better um from not focusing on time during uh, my challenges and training where i've just gone out for long days and i've just listened to my body and i haven't really gone off a time so like my pacing has worked off how i feel and my uh, marathon time um imp- has improved from from doing that um i don't know what that's like on super elite levels <laughs> you know olympic level but um Indians discover new training just going <laughs> yeah. out running three peaks challenge i'm correct in thinking you're the few you are the first to completed that challenge i think yeah as a from running it i haven't seen anyone else do it before and um, run from mountain to mountain yeah, what drew you to this challenge? Over you've done many challenges: indoor, rowing, rode the Atlantic. Then why the three peaks? Well, I've got a bit of an affinity for Wales. Um, okay. I've been to Wales a few times for different types of things, like maybe wild camping or just I've done um, the Snowdonia National Park, like uh, walks and hikes and stuff. And then there was one moment where I was living in South Wales. And I travelled for the first time through uh, mid Wales, and uh, I was completely shocked at how remote mm. it can be. Yeah. And it blew my mind. I was because I've been to Scotland before, and I, th- I thought, oh yeah, Scotland's that remote place, right? That's where it's the most remote in the UK. But no, this was on my doorstep. This was quite close to me, and it was quite remote. And not a lot of people I've spoken to have actually ventured there. Um, some outdoor enthusiasts I know have, but talking to them, they say, yeah, you can get lost for you know hours and hours and not see a single soul. And um, so I wanted to do like a, maybe a, 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 an experiment route to go through and explore like the remoteness of Wales. And I thought it's just a beautiful country. Yeah. And then the other reason for doing this challenge was one, I've never ever pushed myself into a real ultra before. And I wanted to do it in, I guess, a less pressured way, just create my own route sort of thing. Um, and also the third point was I've never done a solo challenge before quite like in an unsupported sense where you just take your, you know, your bits and pieces. I did have a film crew with me, but the, um, the whole sense of like, you're not in a, you're not running it with anyone. There's no team member. It was just very much, I was running my own at times I was, you know, away from people for like six, seven hours. So that sort of, that was a challenge. Like how can I apply all these endurance mental tools that I've built from doing team challenges or team yeah. endurance sports or uh, other endurance things to to this challenge and will will they work and quite honestly a couple of them didn't um <laughs> but some of them were developed differently or i changed the way i applied uh, them in, in a more solo sense so it was quite an interesting experiment for me and that's that's why i took it on and then i guess it being like the first of its kind is quite cool because um, one of the other things i noticed was i've done a lot of challenges that other people have done and i wanted to do something that no one had really done before so that i could just create my own path and just you know come into this thing quite pioneer without like oh someone so told me that at this point (laughs) it's going to get hard like you know i just take it as it comes every minute and I think that's quite good. Um, there was obviously some mountains like um, Mount Snowden and Penafan that I'd climbed before. So I was aware of yeah. those areas, you know, what the landscape was like, what I'm going to come into. But everything in between um, yeah. uh, was actually, I would say, harder. I thought Mount Snowden was the easiest part because it was the well-defined path. 
and um, you didn't get lost. It was quite a good uh, path compared to the, some of the other places I ended up in. You said about the solo challenge, the film crew was there. Were you mindful of the film crew there? We had a, a previous guest, uh, Russell Bentley, did a, a Paddy Buckley round. And I don't think he was, for the most part at least, aware of this crew that were, were following him around. Was that the, the same for yourself? Um in in a in a way we would we would communicate quite quite often um because they were kind of a you know they're they're a lifeline as well uh, i think um i i was always aware that they were there but they weren't you know when i say they were there i would see them maybe twice three times a day that was it okay. for a short bit it wasn't they weren't literally running alongside me all the time um so i think what had ended up is that they would go ahead set themselves and then i'll be there and then we'll do some stuff and then disappear and i might not see them for about four or five hours okay. so it's still very much a, a very solo adventure and then occasionally i'd just in the middle of nowhere just see them. hey how's it going <laughs> <laughs> i love that you'd see them actually you'd probably be really um grateful when you saw them on the horizon uh, yeah it was quite fun yeah to, to, to chat about what happened in that last section and how did you again you know you mentioned that you are a runner you've done marathons in the past this obviously 220 kilometers that's quite it's quite a big difference how did you train for 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 such an event yeah i guess um it was kind of uh, for me an unusual uh training session because um i had decided to do it quite last minute and gave myself a very short time frame to to be fit for it but I had just come off the back of doing an endurance rowing challenge. So I felt that my endurance body was ready. And um, physically, I don't think my legs were in that sort of running mode. And um, I had to get lighter. I knew I had to get lighter. And um, so I went from sort of a rowing body. I did a transformation into a, a running body within about four or five months and then did the running challenge. But the fitness itself was there because of you know the, the rowing um so my cardiovascular was there everything yeah. was there it was just about engaging the muscles differently so i just did a lot of um hill climbing and i did do you know what i found that um during this training se- sessions that the quickest way for me to develop my fitness for running was hill climbing running climbing running up hills things like this and um also um learning about different types of equipment and things so some people don't like using poles, but I absolutely loved using the poles. Um, yeah, like the poles, <laughs> yeah. Do you as well? We Only recently, but yeah, we're a big. Com- I'm a big convert. Yeah, yeah. I I, I really like using the poles, um, just so that it engages slightly different muscle groups, so that you can preserve your legs. And that was a big learning during the during the training was um, using poles during my training session. So I realized I was covering more ground, felt stronger. And I was a bit more efficient um, with with uh, where I applied my energy, and that was that was a big learner. So it was, I think, um, during the training um, on the lead up to this, there was a lot of like smart efficiencies that I was focusing on that could try and speed up the time frame because only gave me himself four or five months to get prepared for it, which is um, like quite I think quite soon um, yeah. for a lot of it. Um, and I was doing a ton of hill climbing, uh, just like mount, like the hiking, just loads of hiking as well. Because that's quite good training, um, low, l- lowish impact, so you don't ruin your knees as much as running every weekend. <laughs> um, but it's also, you know, you're training yourself up and down. You've got your cardiovascular, that sort of thing going. So yeah, those sort of things I was doing. 
how did your quads hold up? I'm terrified. I'm, I'm worried already for this time next year for Lakeland 100 about my quads and my groin. How did, yeah, how did you hold up? Because, yeah, you said you enormous aerobic capacity with the rowing, but maybe the body not so strong. Yeah, I had to do a lot of um, stretches in my training. Like I'd start doing a lot more dynamic stretching because I guess the difference between doing this and a race is that with a race, like, oh, I've stopped to do stretching. No, thanks. Like yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. keeping this time up whilst, <laughs> whilst I was prepared to, you know, stop, do dynamic stretches so I could preserve my legs so they could keep going for longer. So that's um, what I was doing. Um, whilst I was training was learning how to do certain dynamic lunges or stretches that I could work on that would help the quads like release them a bit. So they don't lock too, too much. I did do a couple training sessions where I didn't do that. And they, you know, after 30, 40 K they were locking up and I was like, Oh, okay. Um, we, we need to, uh, address this because we're going to 200 K. So I started working on like strategies to do, to do that. See, I think it's a good idea already. Challenges without time because then you can a be mindful appreciate where you're at and b carry out more maintenance along the way sometimes the event is like this snack stops gary you're like (laughs) well if there's no time then i could uh, uh, find the local spa and that that could be really extreme (laughs) quickly get a proper massage i bet it's quite actually you've gone from being super lonely but then snowden i think is a pretty busy summit from what i've heard i've never been there yeah, it is a very busy summit. Um, early in the mornings is great. I so I started quite early in the morning for my one. Um, I think that if you go early in the morning, you're less likely to see people. Yeah, and that's I think a lot better because you don't want to be you know in groups of people on the path blocking you if you're trying to keep your momentum and you, that 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 can be quite frustrating. Um, having to stop when you didn't need to stop. Yeah. So, so, uh, I try to do, so I try to time all the mountains as best I can to be early in the morning when people are still, you know, eating breakfast. Ah, and what were your biggest challenges? 220 kilometers. I've never tackled anything like that. So I can't really comprehend it. But yeah, I've read an article. I think it was, um, some, a newspaper from St. Albans area, peat bogs, phone signals. Yeah. A lot can happen between when you cross the line and complete your challenge. Yeah. Biggest challenges along the way. Yeah, I'll definitely say the route, as in understanding where the route was. Um, <laughs> like I completely uh, would lose paths and have to take bearings and things like that. Getting the getting the compass out, like that. Like just there was one point was I like, I don't see a path here. Um, I can't see a path anywhere, anywhere near here. And I was just be like, right, bearing. I'm gonna go in that direction and just hope for the best. And there was a lot of that going on. Um, another thing that was really interesting was um, water. So I took a, a filter bottle water and um, kind of actually because a mate of mine said, oh, you probably might come across some streams. It'd be nice to drink out of them. Uh, that would be quite cool. And then I was like actually using them for survival at time, as in yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, running out of water and <laughs> really like, where's the next stream? Like the eyes just like, where's yeah. the next stream? <laughs> looking for streams uh listening for streams and th- that was um, a huge <laughs> challenge was finding streams to drink out of because yeah, i was doing it in the middle of like the heat wave weren't you right in the middle of when it was like proper yeah. parched no water no streams yeah it was it was really dry and um it made me kind of understand and appreciate the, the those ultra desert runners like wow wow like those those are amazing people who are able to kind of 
soaking water into their body for so long because <laughs> <laughs> I was very much just dripping and like, trying to find water all the time. Um, so that was a really significant challenge. Um, so it's like finding the route, finding where the water sources were. Um, and then the other, I guess, part of the, uh, the challenge was, um, I guess, each day I would reset and have to go again. And I think actually it's more, I found when I, I did a continuous indoor rowing machine record where I did three days and 10 hours nonstop, that I found easier because I didn't stop. So I found actually when you do have those points where you have multi-day expeditions and you do like, uh, I don't know, 70 kilometers, you stop for that day. And the next day you're going to do 70 kilometers. I find that more mentally difficult because yeah. when your body rests, it starts getting into comfort zone and all that sort of side of things. And uh, and then you have to reactivate this sort of like hardcoreness inside to, yeah. to go again. To reactivate and, your voice. Yeah, reactivate. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Uh, great. Susan, yeah. Should we call her Susan? Susan, yeah, yeah, reactivate Susan and uh, get get going again, and I, I found that quite a challenge too. Um, and that was something um, I tried to train for uh, during the training bit was uh, do multi day runs, but they weren't exactly you know thirty plus kilometers each one, but just trying to do back to back runs um, just so I could feel that sort of reset. I did a couple in, even in one day, so I'd run like a half marathon, and then I'd have. I don't know, four hours off and then run another half marathon just to get that mindset of like, it's not over yet. Yeah. And then I even tried to do a, like a, another half marathon after that half marathon, one of the, one of the training days. So three <laughs> half marathons. Day. But, um, I didn't, I didn't manage to do it in time because something else came, came up. But I had to stop. Um, and everyone's going, I oh, know he's just coming up with excuse. <laughs> <laughs> it's important actually. Um, you know, even just in regular training for, for, for any event, I think you, put yourself in these uh, uncomfortable situations because sometimes on the day it doesn't go, you know, it's not all like a blue skies and a nice cool breeze. So you have to kind of show up and keep doing it. I, I love that. Um, like that, that reset. I've never, again, I've never experienced anything like that where I physically have to reset at the end of the day. I think that would be quite a unique challenge for that. You mentioned like the mag- navigation. I didn't realize, yes, it was a, a compass, a compass and a, and a map was that uh, how you followed the whole route or did you have a big kind of gps too i had a sort of gps uh, for using commute the, the route mapping app um that was quite fun to use but at times like the signal was terrible and i wasn't i downloaded the gps map but then there was times where you you know you get to the and there's no route the, the, the route says it's there but it's yeah, not yeah yeah, and, yeah. It, and, and it's not for like hours and hours so it could be like two hours. I'm just like tr- running through peatland bog oh and, uh, you know, going around massive lakes, like lakes would just appear and <laughs> right, running through rivers and just all these things. Uh, I had, I had to go through a really dense forest and I couldn't see a- any of the paths. Um, so it looks like some of the old paths disappeared or they haven't been used much. So it made it a bit more adventurous. And then as a learning, scout out the route beforehand. Um, I should have done that. But I was going to ask if you'd done that beforehand. Yeah, it's just a lot of time, isn't it, to go like 220 kilometers and check every yeah. bit of the route. But I probably should have done that. But I think actually 
there's a bit of me that says you know adventurous spirit like who knows yeah, what's i already not- get that you're like yeah that'll ruin it i want to be in that forest questioning my life choices <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah makes it more adventurous i love it i love it but sometimes you know if you know what to hit it's quite you know, adds to how daunting the whole challenge can be i think if it's you discover it as you go a lot of our listeners are entering big, big, scary events. Any tips or, you know, when you were at a particularly low point, is there anything that you drew on to kind of give you strength through the harder times? Yeah. And one of the things was a self-improvement ideology of this is scary. This is big. I'm going to get something great out of this. And I'll just say that to myself, like you're here and you're going to develop something great from this. Yeah. because it's really big and it scares you. So anyone who thinks they're going into something big and scary, you're going into something that could be really, really, really beneficial and take it as a positive light that, you know, there's going to be a journey that you're going to go on that you, you're not used to or you haven't done before. And then there's going to be loads of things you're going to take from it. And that, that, that for me is like, when I'm in a difficult place, I'm like, well, you, you wanted to be here <laughs> and you wanted to learn something from this. So this is it this is this is the this is the game that you've you've set yourself so yeah let's 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 see what we can get out of it and then it becomes like a bit of a curiosity thing rather than like a painful thing look to your future self that's what i often say to myself is yeah. it look future self eddie and yeah i say that at night time when i can't bother to unpack the dishwasher before i go to bed <laughs> look to your future self eddie she will thank you for this when you wake up in the morning and i also and I do think when I'm doing really hard stuff and I'm questioning my reason for doing it, I'm like, think of when you go back to the school gates and you pick up the kids, you're going to be a different person. And the strength you get from like, I drop the kids off one day, they don't, you know, and I'm like, when I next see you kids four days later, I'll have run 100 miles. Well, I've done that. I'm going to be a different person. And every time I do a big, scary challenge or something, I'm like, it does make you a different person it makes you stronger. It makes you uh, just able to cope with life in a different way. And it's really exciting that, especially maybe Isaac, you're much younger than me and Gary, but as we get older, Gary's questioning why I'm doing all these massive long distance stuff now. And he's like, why are you doing it? And I'm like, I think it's just as we get older, we like want to know the limits and sort of like what's out there. I don't want to die like question, like thinking I was too scared to do something. I want to. Yeah. The regret thing. Right regret thing yeah that's a massive um a motivator for people is will i regret this later you never you never hear people saying oh i regret trying to do that i regret trying to climb my Everest, or i regret trying to row across the atlantic it's always like people always pull the positives even though the the experience yeah. might have been pretty horrendous and humbling yeah. what you pull out of it is always positives yeah I just think also we, we get one shot you know literally um and you've got to, you've got to make the best of it. I think you know, like you say, no, it all kind of goes back to no regrets. And uh, I, I was always, you know, this uh, paint the pain is temporary thing, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a very classic uh, paint. That 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 like I I'm a huge uh, testament to that. Like all of my endurance challenges, the pain I don't remember. No, I never remember it because it's it's just not interesting. Yeah. Body with brain is very yeah. clever. The brain is very clever. And then probably, Isaac, when you begin these endurance challenges again, you start going down that hole, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Oh, God. Settle in with Susan. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's have another day out together, <laughs> Susan and I. 
any takeaways from the challenge? Things you nailed, or things you would change if you did it again, or a similar challenge again? Uh, definitely, um, nutrition was good um, this time. Uh, I was I was really happy with the nutrition plan I took uh, for running. Uh, you talk a lot in your other challenge as well about how good your nutrition is. Do you think that might be a key to your success with these big endurance events? The fact that you yeah. you're a vegan. <laughs> it's fuel, right? Yeah. <laughs> like without fuel, you don't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it comes back to the energy industry I work in. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I've done the calculations, and this is <laughs> yeah. yeah, these yeah, are the calculations I need. Uh, yeah, so uh, the yeah nutrition is super super key the new, having the right nutrients in the body so that your your muscles can function i think that is one of the key parts for a- anything um and I, I found this particular run nutrition plans do change per sport <laughs> i found with rowing uh, my nutrition plan was very different to running which is different to my swimming which is, so i was quite like experimental with my nutrition plan i was reading a lot of blogs i was talking to a lot of people listening to a great podcast like this and finding out some new facts and just taking it on on the new you need the training runs i would try a different nutrition plan each one uh to see what would work you know eating every hour to eating every 20 minutes to eating that type of food to eating this type of food and what worked on those sort of endurance runs i was doing and then i had by the time 200 20k came i was i had the plan and i knew that it worked so yeah i think the nutrition was really good um advise everyone to work on that because <laughs> everyone likes different things right as well you know some people like marmite some people like tomato sauce you know some people don't <laughs> it's just making sure that you're not eating marmite because a blog told you to eat marmite and then you don't yeah. like marmite. <laughs> <laughs> worst thing to be is like 70 kilometers up a mountain staring yeah. like your nemesis marmite in the yeah. face like, this is what I, got. I tried fig rolls once somebody told me fig rolls were great and they were super cheap and literally after the very that's all my nutrition i had for this race it was oh, uh Oh my goodness me, the Howgill's trail marathon. And I had one about 20 minutes in and it was just the worst life decision I think I'd ever made. <laughs> it just welded itself to the top of my mouth straight away. <laughs> <laughs> you learn quick from bad food. Couldn't shift it. <laughs> so yeah, nutrition and um, things that didn't go right. Uh, well, of course, the route. Um, <laughs> at times I could have made the route a bit um i guess more real like uh, sometimes there was a pass that went over private land and i was in um a bit of a sticky situation i'll admit that um i didn't really properly plan for private land routes uh, at times um so i i would have definitely uh gone a bit more into detail with my route planning so i wasn't you know going around farmer's fields <laughs> and running for my life yeah um, <laughs> i don't want to get shot <laughs> um so yeah that was one thing i learned and then another th- another thing that i think went really well was um being able to apply some of the tools that um the mental health tools that i'd learned in the, in the sort of the training and i think that went really well like practicing a bit more of different types of uh, of tools like ecotherapy mindfulness sort of, that sort of thing i hadn't really applied that to other things before so um it, that was that was a plus for me um i recommend people to do do that it might sound trivial like forest bathing <laughs> or all these things but actually that it can really help you if you're um doing something like a 10k through a forest and you're 7k in your legs are hurting have a little break take in the nature and then realize your legs 
like they get lighter yeah because um, yeah. you want to be there for longer because you like it <laughs> yeah it doesn't, need some great tips there. doesn't all need to be uh strava segments all the time yeah. doesn't it oh yeah that's why i like commute uh, as well i do use strava too um just to push myself but commute i quite like because it uh it kind of advertise or promotes the environment or the places a bit a bit more than just the times see for sure. talking about the environment and times putting them together how what's next how are you juggling life as sort of uh with your with your work and with being an athlete um what's next on the uh, uh, horizon yeah yeah and um, i'm trying to combine the two quite i guess haphazardly at the moment but eventually it's going to come together um but i i started a cic company a community interest company um with with my um, co-founder alex and um that was it's all about um highlighting climate solutions environmental projects through the medium of adventure so we're using sort of adventurous um expeditions and things like that to highlight interesting environmental or climate solution projects that need backing funding stakeholders or just awareness and things like this that they they don't sometimes don't get the time of day because um the media drowns out with uh, climate change um two degrees and uh horoscopes so <laughs> we, we we're trying to like disrupt that and I'm able to bring in sort of my knowledge in the energy transition space and my adventure together and create all these cool films and media and podcasts like this. So uh, it's called Climate Explorers, um, mm-hmm. the, the company. And um, we we started it uh, this year. We're going through the, the B Corp. Um, maybe people know that B Corporation assessment and um, doing our ESG and that side of things, which is quite exciting. Um, all very environmental in terms of the business world. And it's just a new challenge in itself. Like, it, although it's not a uh, running challenge or something like that, I am doing something for me, big and scary, setting up this business, getting employees, trying to work out income. You know, this is, again, another learning, that, you know, look back on sort of thing. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing at the moment. And that's where I'm going with it. So a lot of the adventures and challenges may tie into this company a bit more. Yeah, it's super interesting. Highlighting the positivity rather than the negativity. About yeah, totally. <laughs> You're in such a unique position too, also with your with your career and your interest to bring the two together. I think it's awesome. Yeah, new career, hopefully. <laughs> Out of it. <laughs> you're just, just following your path. It's not, uh, you don't have to follow one direction, are you? you just yeah. like a river, tributaries, off you go. Uh, can I ask you, this is totally off the re- This is totally uh, off the script, Gary. Why are mountain lakes blue? Because somebody asked me this who I was leading on a trail run over the summer. And I was like, oh, it's just uh, the lining of the lake, I think close yeah i mean that that you could call it lining uh well it's oh, to do with sediments isn't it um so the, the, the yeah, sort of the erosion from the glacial um limestones and things like that it settles uh like a dust in in the lake but doesn't quite go to the bottom so it stays in the water column and then that reflects light um as the light goes in it bounces off these little bits of silty sediments that have been eroded, and then it reflects back um, a blue, a blue colour. So yeah, yeah, blue colour. Because everybody, we've got like, quite a few of those lakes around us, and people, it looks they look like swimming pools when they you do. look at them from the top. Of, like those swimming pools, I'm like no. And then I read that you 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 um you talked about that somewhere yesterday, and I thought that's oh, I love that. Oh, I love it. Geography in action is one yeah. of my 
favorite things physical geography geology uh, it rocks <laughs> it actually makes the running interesting uh, it does. you know you, people are like, i'm running over this rock but i'm like we're running over granitoid right now i wonder how that was formed and that must have been during this erogeny so you start yeah, yeah. thinking really differently when you're running <laughs> but i can be quite boring it. for some people no i'd love to go to katie shide who won the utmb she's a she's a rock scientist she yeah. i'd like to go yeah i'd love to i'd love some more knowledge i'd love oh. some more knowledge of when you look at rock formations and glacial erosion oh i love all that they do some intro to geology field trips i know you could go on to one of those and then you could uh you know take it on and apply it when you do your runs. I know, I should. I should. Should you do the quick five? Uh, quick five. There's but we might go a bit deeper than quick five because I've still got a few little things I want to ask. Okay, okay, right then. First up, swim, bike, run, or roar as your only exercise for the rest of your life. Which would it be? Swim. That was my starting sport. And I always come back to it. <laughs> I can't let it go. No, Do you find you get a lot of injuries from not doing weight bearing sport as a youngster doing lots of swimming? Do you get a lot of lower limb injuries or? Um, not, I've never had an injury from swimming um, apart from uh, a, a late. Well, because I did something stupid, I was wearing weighted vest swimming. But, um, it, yeah, don't, don't no, do that at home. This is not a training tip. This is not a training tip. Yeah. water. <laughs> yeah, um, sort of faint-hearted. Uh, but yeah, so swimming has been really great, um, and it's it's been able to be like that go-to sport in between sports. That's my cross-training sport. So should I get a niggle in my leg, I'll go in the pool and wait for that niggle to kind of disappear and keep my training up so it's it's a good one okay yeah i think you kind of answered this earlier actually but just in case anybody missed it what did you find tougher rowing the atlantic the indoor rowing world record or the three peaks i would say um probably the three peaks was my toughest um and people were like what rowing the atlantic surely is that be the toughest one you've done but i would base on the basis of it was solo and yeah. I was in my own headspace and I didn't have a team or someone near me. And it really translates that mental health, you know, people fighting in their own head. And uh, I really found that the, that the reason why it was the toughest. Yeah, that mental space and that sort being solo, that's, uh, that is a tough one. During all your challenges, um, if you go into your backpack for a treat, is there a go-to treat that you would take with you on every one of them? Recently, uh, I've got a new treat. Yeah, I really like um, it's, it's baby food. Oh no, 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 no! It's, no. it's something about it where I can feel like I'm getting a meal, but not not feeling so full up. And I can just like it's just like, and I get in, I get the taste of like a curry, and then oh, do you know what? I'm sick of curry. Let's have something else, the soup or something. And 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 you can just it's the variety, but not getting so full up and being able to move when you're like hiking or running and not feel so like heavy. Um, but that's only been a recent fad. <laughs> I hear that quite often. Up. I do eat that quite often, baby food. But I was expecting salt and vinegar crisps or peanut M and M's. That's the that's the normal oh, go to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like that's those sort of snacky ones. Um, they're they're really good snacks. This one. <laughs> you need a distraction from the suck. If you to turn on your iPod, do they have iPods anymore? You don't, do they? They, they don't exist. But if you turned on Apple Music, Spotify, what would be the last song that you listen to? The last song. Yeah. Could you do that? Could you could you do that, Eddie? 
Okay, so no, before... listen to today, don't want to look. It's something terrible. Oh, I okay, to... uh, let's have a look. Uh, I was listening to. I'll do mine too. Let's do it all. The happiest man on earth. Uh, oh. Broken back. <laughs> That's what I was listening to. <laughs> yeah, featuring Little John and Ludacris Usher. Oh yeah, that's a good one. That's a pie one. Uh, I've got what Killing Time by Megadeth. There you go. Oh, cool. <laughs> We've all got very different uh, genres. Um, I, I think it, is, it sounds like that's my teenage child's playlist that he makes for me. And, uh, <laughs> oh, and he's like, uh, "Mom, you've been on. Have you been listening to your playlist?" But I like to keep him in the kids. I'm like, yeah, yeah, love Usher. <laughs> Bring it to your your runs. <laughs> well, this is not a quick question, actually, but one thing, well, yeah, one thing we can do as runners to help the environment and climate change. One big tip. Um, there's actually an organisation um, that my friend set up, the Green Runners. You may have heard of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, we're friends with the join, Green Runners. Join that. Green runners. I'll, I'll get people to join that because from that, you get some education tips, you get ways of spreading awareness in your running. So it's 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 a good good first step to to many steps and yeah so they're great I I, I have uh, the green runners um, label uh, on, on my um, backpack when I like my um, you know trail running bag um, and you have to make a pledge don't you when you join the green runners yeah yeah pledge of such um, you know so it, it's generally I think to do with racing more so trying to be more environmentally focused on in the racing side of things like do you need to go to that race. Is there a sustainable way you could get to that race? Um, And then obviously the activism within the race, you know, let's have more sustainable products. Let's have less waste in the race. But there's a lot more to what they do. They talk about lifestyle changes and all sorts of things too. It's really great uh, group to join. Did you see Andy Simmons, uh, GB athlete, but lives in France? He's turned down his GB vest because he doesn't want to fly to Thailand because his carbon footprint's been too big already, and he doesn't believe that the World Championships should be uh, should involve that much travel for him. So he's not going. Ooh, Ooh, that's a big step, isn't it's it? It's not a big step. Very high profile athlete, professional athlete. Uh, so, I mean, mixed views on that because I'm like, well, you know, you could have a voice, you could go and have a voice. And, uh, but again, it takes people to stand up for change, doesn't it? Stand up and make big changes, uh, and make changes within your life. And I think often people get a bit overawed because they look at other people making, they think, well, I can't do that. It's about looking actually and seeing what you can do. Um, yeah, we're seeing a lot more athletes, um, raising their voices and being very selfless. Um, that uh, MA fighter recently, you, you probably heard of his mental health um, quote, uh, mental health um, speech he gave when he won. He could have taken that whole stage to himself and fed his ego, but he decided yeah, yeah. to put it all on a cause. And that's exactly what um, our, our man has done there. I'm not going to Thailand, but you, it, all for this reason. And it's a very noble reason. And I, I think that it, those sorts of people are ones who can really install change because they have a voice and they have a platform. Yeah, it's super important if you have that platform and a voice to uh, to use it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Isaac. Every day is a school day and we have you've uh, opened Gary's eyes and all sorts of different ways. In, uh, and I'm sure that's your one of your big roles with all these adventure challenges as well as to, uh, to encourage other people to look at within themselves and what they can achieve and how they can achieve it. So thank you so much for giving up the time for coming on the podcast. We look forward to following your future endeavours and your new company. Give us a shout if uh, Run to the Hills can help in any way. <laughs> We're always giving shouts out to... Uh, 
previous guests, aren't we? And they go on to other things. Before you go, Isaac, how can people connect with you if they want? Probably the quickest way is just go to my website, isaackenyon.com. Uh, the emails and socials, everything's all linked link there. Check it out. Thank you. Thanks so much, Isaac. Have a good day. Enjoy your run and your weighted vest. <laughs> Thank <laughs> Thanks you. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Take care. Bye. I really enjoyed that again, Eddie. And we learned something about the uh, colour of the lakes. I just think it'd be awesome. You go for a run with somebody who has knowledge of rocks and scenery. Oh, rather than just whining at each other about your tired legs and your knees and how old you are. Yeah. You go on a run with Isaac and he'd be like, now look, this rock formation is from the Paleontholic region of the yeah. Jurassic <laughs> Prehistoric. Now look, a dinosaur <laughs> fossil. <laughs> Yeah, I just think it'll be awesome. I really enjoyed our chat there. Hope everybody else did too. Uh, Gary, you ready to catch up with Trish? Let's see if she's been moaning as much as I have this week. Well, I can't wait. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Trish's Triumphs and Tribulations of Training. I'm just back from an easy run, and I'm trying to be really good and get some stretching in. Uh, to be honest, I'm not very good at stretching. I I've got a speed session later tonight, though, so I do want to get on top of it and make sure that I'm well set up and well placed for that. Uh, stretching is quite hard, I find, in the general chaos of everyday life. It's usually the first thing to go. Uh, Firstly, because I have to clear a space amongst the mess on my floor. And if you could see my floor, you would realise what a true endeavour that is. Uh, but I've done it today, so whoop, whoop, pat on the back for me. Well done. High achiever. Uh, secondly, I've always got that nagging feeling like I need to be getting on with something else. You know, real like uh, loading the dishwasher, tidying up the chaos of breakfast. You know, real, real first world issues here. Uh, and I'm also wondering why I'm looking at my kitchen table, why there is a branch on my kitchen table. I mean, what are my kids doing with that? I imagine that what they'll probably do is make some kind of medieval spear in order to uh, impel me with later when I'm giving them their dinner, which will probably be disgusting, uh, you know, all, all fun times. Uh, so the easy run. Well, what I like about the easy run on a day like today, it's just the absolute joy of just running, the joy of running in the moment. I just love it. But there's a lot more to easy runs than just a good time. You know, um, easy runs should make up the sig a significant chunk of your training. I mean, they're essential for building your foundations as a runner, as an endurance athlete. Now, I work to the 80-20 principle with my running. So 80% of my running is easy and 20% is hard. The easy runs allow me to improve my resistance to fatigue, which is, again, crucial for endurance running. Uh, you know, delivering oxygen to muscles, burning fat. I'm able to do more miles without additional stress from fast running. You know, I could go on and on about the science of it. Simply put... Easy runs are essential to allow your body to become more efficient. And that will allow you to run with less effort on your faster days. Simply put, it's good for you. It will make you a stronger runner. So we should absolutely be doing lots of easy runs. 
Now today I did about 45 minutes in the forest and it's just such a beautiful day. Intense blue sky, no clouds loud in the sky. So a little bit of an Encanto slipped out there. We don't talk about Bruno. Um, but whilst we're talking about Encanto, let's talk pace. So what pace should our easy runs be? Well, the truth is your easy pace will vary day to day. Uh, it will depending on how you feel you know if you managed to get a good night's sleep if you didn't if you're feeling a bit off if you're tired what terrain you're on etc etc okay your pace will vary day to day uh, when i'm running i go on perceived effort so for me my easy run is anything from one to three out of ten uh heart rate zone that's like a one to two a really good way to see if you're running slow enough, I'm going to bring Encanto back into it now, is to try and sing a song. Now, you can sing any Disney song, you know, it's not, um, I'm not picky, but uh, in, but it's a Disney song I would say is essential to really, you know, get involved in it. Um, and also that's a good incentive to run to the middle of nowhere so nobody can hear you. But if you can sing your Disney song, and you're not gasping for breath and you're able to have a nice flow with your Disney song, you're probably running the right pace. But to summarize, your easy runs must be easy, must be easy. So we know physically why we should run easy, uh, but what about mentally? You know, uh, on a day like today, the air is really crisp and it's, it feels really fresh on my face and there's that clear like autumn sky with the chill and you can hear your feet crunching as they hit the trail, you know, tap, tap, tap. Uh, it's an easy run, remember? That's why the taps are slow. Um, they'll be tap, 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 tap when I do my speed session later, hopefully, fingers crossed, because I did it really easy this morning. And I can concentrate on my breathing, and it's slow and relaxed, you know, and I'm, I'm just there in that moment, singing whatever Disney tune comes to mind, I look around me and there are ponies and cows looking at me thinking, what is she on? Uh, and I'm drowning out the sounds of the birds having the time of my life. And you, that's what your, your easy run should feel. They should feel good. They should give you that space to just be and process stuff that's going on in your life to give you that headspace. And I actually just like the silence. I find that in the silence of open spaces, uh, in, in nature, that's where I feel most connected to myself and the world around me. And it's in this silence that I'm able to just be. I don't have to rush. I don't have to be anything to anyone. My responsibilities are you know, long gone in the distance. And it's just me and I'm just running. And it's pure simplicity and silence and uh, stillness. And this is often in a stark contrast to our daily life where we're just rushing around trying to get the kids to put their socks on for school, which if you have kids, you will know is the true endurance test, people. That has nothing on a 100 miler, let me tell you. Uh, you. You've got to get to work. We've got to get, you know, get that project in on time, pay that bill, put the washing on. It's 
it's relentless in terms of the things we need to do in our daily life, which can be all-consuming at times. And I think the easy runs are about slowing things down. You know, it's allowing us to recharge physically and mentally. They allow us to shake off not just the stresses and tension from the previous hard session, um, but they remind us why we run, to find that stillness, to find that headspace, to allow us to process all the stuff in our heads without actually having to actively think about it, to work through that thing that's keeping you up at night or is always in the background of your mind. So don't underestimate the value and importance of an easy run. It might not seem as cool as running fast or getting a Strava crown, but I can tell you it is absolutely crucial in, in your process, in your journey to achieving that Strava crown, to being able to run fast. An easy run is something that you can rely on to build you up and prepare you for what's to come. It sets the foundations to enable you to do the hard stuff. You know, maybe there's a lesson to be learned from the easy run. Maybe an easy day in life is also needed to help you prepare for the harder days or to have one to look forward to. We all need a recharge from the fast pace of life and sometimes the intensity of our training programs. So remember, go out, have a great day and don't forget to sing your heart out on that easy run. Up, 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 all in. Always good to catch up with Trish. <laughs> I just love it. And I hope the, um, was it the branch on the, on the table <laughs> when she got it? I hope, I hope the meal passed the test and she didn't get uh, assaulted by her children. <laughs> That's great. Thanks for that, Trish. Thanks again to all our Patreon members keeping the train on the tracks. Join up Hi. and head over if you want to be in with a chance of winning some Chia Charge goodies. I love that, Eddie. I, I wasn't expecting that script. Change. I know. I just popped it in there. You never know. You know me. I'm totally impulsive. You never know what I'm going to throw in. Also, over on Facebook page, we're running our competition until the beginning of December. Uh if you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be and why? Lots of lots of people want to live. No one said, oh, I love England. I'm just going to stay here. Uh, lots of people with lots of good ideas. I love people that are, are saying, I've never been to this country, but I'd like to go and live there as well. Hmm. Uh, pop over there. And again, you could be in, in chance of winning some cheer charge goodies as well. Well, lots of cheer charge goodies. Going to be winging the way out of cheer charge towers at the end of uh, at the end of the month. What we got coming up? Some upcoming races. I don't know anything about this one. The Dartmoor Way Hundred is in its second year. The full circles, the first to complete circumnavigation of Dartmoor ever to take place in an official race event. The race will follow the freshly waymarked Dartmoor Way walking route and is the only landlocked 100-mile race in the southwest of England. The route skirts the periphery of the whole of the north and southern sessions, se southern sections of the moor. And this is the bit I thought you'd like the most, Gary. Checkpoints are village or church halls, and there are seven checkpoints where you'd be well-fed, watered, and encouraged to walk onwards by a fantastic team of volunteers. Well, that looked quite nice. Oh, I love a village hall. I love a village hall checkpoint. I thought that looked quite cool. £165, not too bad, not too expensive for a 100-mile 
Yeah, it sounds fine if you were looked after, yeah. As well as the Dartmoor 100, oh, I also found this, which I loved, the Lakeland Paws, uh, a canny cross race you can do with your furry friends uh, based out of Winlatter Forest. And they've got two races each um, each month, two different um, distances. So you can do five miles with 1,200 feet or uh, three miles with 800 feet and you all start off at different times so that not all the dogs start together because that would be the bit that would terrify me is if I had to start because I don't think Lindy would just drag me to my death uh, but perhaps if you're into running with your dog that might be something you uh, you would like to get involved in Lakeland Paws it's called. That sounds great and if you fancy a challenge March of next year, the Belvoir Challenge uh, is open for entries. Head over to their website and check it out. 26 and a 15 mile route following footpaths, byways, tracks and minor roads through the beautiful Vale of Belvoir. Uh, and with kind permission of the Duke of Rutland, it goes through the Belvoir State. Both routes start and finish at Harby Village Hall, but each year they're varied in order to keep it fresh and interesting for entrance. Routes are clearly waymarked with coloured tape and there are checkpoints approximately every five miles providing free drinks and snacks yeah they got some great um pictures on their website and i think at the finish if that is correct you are treated to a lovely face but i'm, I'm pretty sure that one does sell out and that's why i thought i'd kind of bring it to your attention now because entries are open don't you say beaver I didn't. Uh, I didn't uh, well, interrupt you because I knew that if I brought Beaver into the conversation, I'd start li- li- uh, <laughs> laughing. But I'm sure Belv. You say it is pronounced the name Belvoir, meaning beautiful view in French, and pronounced today as Beaver dates back to Norman times. Oh goodness me! Well, I, <laughs> I keep it in there. I like it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> There you go. It's like my Gilly and Gillet, isn't it? That's <laughs> how you want, Gary. Yeah. What have you? I'm just saying what you've got coming up. Oh, my goodness, Eddie. Oh, Gary. Oh, <laughs> it's relentless, no. isn't it? It's just relentless. Okay. So, team, we can do this. We can do this together. I've got to get on my bike because next week the Zwift races start again. So, tonight I am r- riding the, I was going to say, running the course riding the course but less uh, less of an effort in a in me um in a little group ride i need to put a bit of intensity back but i'm also just like shall i not bother i'll just get the back of those races and just carry on pedaling um i've got a two-hour session to do another big volume session and a five-hour run but no pack i don't know if i prefer to use the pack now because i'm like <laughs> breaks i've run with no walking breaks it's quite a long time and from tomorrow the temperatures are dropping here in the alps we're going to the minuses and the snow is coming well it's time isn't it it's time i've had it easy so um uh i'll be i'll be dressed up a bit i'm ready for it now i've had some really sweaty uh yeah Really sweaty ones. Uh, Angela sent me a message. Angela Green sent me a message about my chat. How's my chaffing going with my pack? And uh, I have been doing really well. Chaff free so far. And she was like, any tips? Because um, I know I will get chaffing. But the big thing is uh, for me is to make sure that you put your chaffing lube, whatever you use on your back, especially down the middle of your back before you go out, before you get dressed. And then I tuck in my base layer or my t-shirt while I'm wearing really tight, really sexy into my leggings so that it doesn't move. And then, and then whatever goes over the top 
Um, and then if you feel any chaffing, you've got to stop and you've got to um, you've got to re-lube or just sort stuff out. And that was a little tip that Brian gave me. He said, every time you go uphill, just adjust your pack a little bit so that it keeps moving. And he gave me some little stretching stuff to do. And he, he also said, when I was whining about the weight, he said, you know, for his... Um, for for some of the tests he used to have to do, we had to carry between forty five and fifty kilograms. Oh my goodness! For forty k, I was like, okay, suck it up, Eddie. Anyway, so heavy. I don't have any. I know people tape their back to stop it chaffing as well, but I haven't tried that yet. But definitely pre lube and then the safety the safety vest I call it, and I tuck it in. And what I always t- no, I can't share that. It's too much. <laughs> Come on, you want to? I was going to totally overshare then, and I pulled back. No, there are some things that one must stay. <laughs> anyway, so I've still got quite a few big volume things to do this week. I just got to take it day by day. I don't even want to talk about it, Gary, to be honest, because if I think about it, I'll cry into my tailwind. When you oh. when you talk, it's it's like about the lube and everything. It's. Uh... It's a totally different sport to to see a marathon, road marathon, isn't it? I know we occupy, we occupy train. That when this is over, I'm not actually, I'm actually going to be just a useless runner again because the last time I actually did running for a long distance without stopping and eating things, I do have a question though. Um, I getting re- I get really sore top of the roof of my mouth from the the incredible mixture of uh, energy fuel I'm shoving More down. Sugar. Yeah. What what shall I do? I was like, it's uh, getting. I, yeah, I must I be. Actually, I've never. I must be. I wonder what people do. I always you see Courtney DeWalter with a toothbrush. Um, yeah, brushing definitely teeth, do that. And yeah. I definitely think I'll either carry that or. Um, <laughs> but I de- like after yesterday, I can feel the roof of my mouth from quite from the. Gels. Are you eating like um? Yeah, so it's just gels. I would say if I was eating a boiled sweet, then I'd know pretty. I'd get a, a sort yeah. of. Yeah, isn't it? I wouldn't I don't know, uh, to take apart from brushing my teeth and I'll go to the dentist after the spine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be expensive trip. What about you? Like I said earlier, I've had I feel like I've had two average weeks and I know they haven't. I've been harsh on myself. Um so I'd like to maybe uh just feel a bit better about things come the end of the week. The workouts aren't that big this week for some reason. Well, in theory, I should be racing a half marathon if I was following the plan diligently, but obviously that's not going to happen. But the other workouts aren't too bad. But I did a workout with Neil last night. I modified mine and ran with Neil, and it was uh, hard uphills, three times six minutes, and there wasn't 10 beats to spare. Uh, oh, gosh, <laughs> that was really hard. Yeah, but I struggled. The first, the second, the last two were fine. I think my airways opened up a bit, but the first one, I just couldn't, I couldn't with my asthma. I always give myself the first one grace to warm up into it. It's not going to be the best. But when there's only it's, three, it's like... You, yeah, but to... you can always do four and just count the oh, first God, I wasn't one doing four. Does <laughs> that no, matter? Is there three? I'm sure... Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, that's not... I think the heart rate was fine. I was in the zone. You know, the zone probably 10 beats or something. It just felt. I was in the lower part of the zone. And, you know, watching Neil yeah. drift off, off the hill, um, I didn't feel oh, too great. Damn <laughs> But yeah, the other two are much better. Uh, so that was that year. I think it's five times a K on Thursday. So that's is it. But it's a smaller recovery. And hopefully, I don't think anything is going to get in the way of a long run and maybe a bit of a weighted hike at the weekend. So yeah, that's it. I've got nothing uh, planned. I just would like to get to Sunday evening and 
be more that kind of mid 70s 80s miles and hopefully i've done the ten thousand feet and just be able to reflect back positively that would be good for me yeah guess what eddie Shut up. Shut up. Shut the front door. <laughs> Shut the front door. We've got another, at long last, another five-star review. <laughs> Don't see that, Gary. Keep the facade up. We had loads. Draw through. This was our favourite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was the best one. Gazitude over on Apple Podcasts. And you know what? I... Oh, not emotional, that's a bit much, but it really warmed me when I read this review. Came for the Lakeland 100 chat, stayed for Edwina and Gary. Not sure how I haven't come across this podcast before. Massive podcast listener and got into the Lakeland 50 for the first time next year. Stumbled across the pod for the Lakeland 50 training chat and run interviews, but Edwina, Gary and all the other content is top tier. Need to get some more cheer charge. Gareth. Oh, my goodness, Gareth. (coughs) Don't we all? (laughs) Thanks, Gareth. Uh, Oh, I'm glad our Twittering keeps you you entertained. In fact, when Bryn left me yesterday, he didn't actually leave me, listeners. Don't worry. That would be a a terrible (laughs) podcast. God, Gary, how do you cope with that one? We'd just be weeping. Anyway, when he drove away, I put on my favourite podcast because... Believe it or not, I don't actually like listening to us because it's just horrendous. Um, but uh, I have another favorite podcast, which is Twittering. But I and there is a couple of guys, and they just chat. And uh, but I just find it really comforting. Yeah, and I always hope that we do the same for anybody out running. It takes us hours to prepare this show, as you can tell. Preparation, <laughs> um, but we do love talking to you, and uh, I hope that um, I hope if you are listening, you're running along or in your car or waiting for the football pickup, wherever your podcast is listening, that uh, we bring a bit of joy and a bit of laughter. Yeah. Did Andy in- Stevenson? I'm sure he said it's like being in the mates in the pub with your mates, but you're not actually having to have, have part of the conversation. <laughs> Back is the dream. Don't you can be in. What I love is a is a is a snooze. This is my total treat. The weekend is that when everyone else is doing stuff around you, and you just sit back in a chair and you shut your eyes, you can hear people talking. Maybe somebody like unpacking the dishwasher, and you just have a little quiet two minute. Like I love that, and it's all warm and cozy, and you don't have to get up and go for a five hour hike. Anyway, on that happy note, that was episode hundred and fourteen. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for Cheer Charge for continuing to support the show. Let's make it through another week, everybody. Until next time, I'm Eddie Sutton. And I'm Gary Thwaites. And let's run to the hills. (laughs) 